Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. When Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Judeans were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. Those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Judeans had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. 
When she had said this, she went back, called her sister Mary, and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The people who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the people who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the people said, see how he loved him. Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Judeans, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. morning. We're coming towards the end of Lent. So how's it going? Somebody just said, as usual, right? The world is still a messy place. If your life is like mine, I still find myself towards the end of Lent pretty imperfect. We still deal with all the dynamics, whether we're looking at the headlines or the woof and warp of our own lives. We see all of the evidence that death is still in charge of things, it seems, in the wider world. What is different? For many years, to be honest, this story from John's Gospel 
confused me no end. It's a strange story. It happens in John's telling at the end of Jesus' public ministry. It is the culmination of a whole host of signs that Jesus has given, not only to his first followers, but to the people around him. And for those of you who are familiar, you remember your Western civilization courses, or you remember reading early literature, it reads almost like a Greek play, complete with two Greek choruses. The first one is made up of Jesus' disciples. Jesus, the rabbi from the north, from Galilee, decides he's going back to Judea. And the disciples chime in like a Greek chorus. You're crazy. The last time you were there, the Judeans wanted to kill you. Why are you going back? And then he gets word from Mary and Martha that Lazarus is very ill, and he lingers for a couple of extra days, which vexes the disciples even more. But eventually he decides he's going back to Judea. And Thomas, very typical of Thomas, says, and probably one of the most sarcastic lines in all of the Christian scriptures, well, let us go with him so we can die with him. When Jesus arrives in Judea at Bethany, near the outskirts of Jerusalem, the other Greek chorus shows up, and that's the Judeans themselves. The people who have been following the plight of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, their neighbors, their compatriots. We have an unfortunate incident historically that one of the traditional translations of the word for the Judeans in this passage into English is the Jews, which obscures the meaning and causes all kinds of problems later for the Christian community and the Jewish community. But I think what John is pointing to here is these are the people whose traditional life, whose religious life is centered on the temple in Jerusalem and upon the authorities who are there. And they are confused by this rabbi from the north who says strange things about life and death and bread and light and healing and blindness and sight. But they kind of follow along like the Greek chorus in today's reading to see what he will do. And then we have the two great characters of the story, Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha. You remember them? You remember the story about Mary and Martha, right? We have a whole window dedicated to Martha in the stairwell. Take a look at it at the end of the service. That story, incidentally, is not in John's gospel, but it's in Luke. And many scholars think that John is actually recounting this story from Luke and then building on it. But you remember that story. So Jesus goes and visits Mary and Martha at their home. Who is cluttering in the kitchen? Martha. How many of you are Marthas? 
I'm fond of saying two things about Church of Our Savior. First, it's a parish filled with managers. And for those in the know, I sometimes say it's a church filled with Marthas. And I may be one of them, right? Cluttering in the kitchen. Mary is the one who comes and sits at Jesus' feet and listens to his teaching. And Martha is furious. She's like, why don't you tell my sister to help me? I'm busy doing what I'm supposed to be doing over here, and that's providing you with hospitality. The fascinating thing with John's telling today is all of this is sort of turned upside down. John tells the story that Mary is the one who comes and breaks open the expensive jar of perfume or ointment at Jesus' feet, and then wipes his feet with her hair to honor his work. Mary is so despondent after Lazarus dies that she won't even come out to greet Jesus. Martha, the practical one, comes out. Isn't that interesting? She's the one who becomes kind of the glue of the story, going back and forth between Jesus and Mary. Now, she does a very Semitic thing. She does things that many cultures in the Near East would do. The first thing she throws at Jesus' feet is a guilt trip. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Sound a little bit familiar? But then she articulates her deep faith in what Jesus can do. She begins by articulating a faith that she holds in common with the Pharisees that there will be some sort of resurrection on the last day. But then Jesus reminds her, I am, he says, using that phrase out of the deepest strata of Torah that God uses, I am the resurrection and the life. And then she runs and gets... Of course, the last person in the story has no lines at all in the play, and that's Lazarus himself, right? But here's the thing. Lazarus, the etymology of the name comes from Eleazar, which means God has helped. With all of that in mind, we start to see what John is getting at by putting this as the culmination of Jesus' public ministry. He wants us to understand that the final confrontation is coming, and we will be moving through that together in Holy Week and Easter, and it is the confrontation between God and death itself. And more than that, the power of death as a threat In John's gospel, the raising of Lazarus from the grave is the final straw for the religious authorities in Jerusalem and the Romans themselves. Why? Because the threat of death and dissolution and violence is what keeps the population in line and the people who are in power in power. And when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, he is proclaiming by sign and action 
that now the people are liberated from this threat. There is something new happening here, so radically new that the old world order, where death is at the center of everything, has been broken. It's the foretelling, of course, of the Easter message. But it is given not simply as a metaphor, it is given to bear witness to the fact that we as people of faith are being invited to step into a world where death is no longer at the center of our lives. Where God is entering and coming to us and breaking the power of death. Death of relationship, death in community, death of loved ones, even our own death no longer has dominion over us. It's a radical message to free us from all the ways that the world lays claim to our lives and to our loyalties and to our hearts. To invite us to become a new people in God. There is this sense that Lazarus steps out of the tomb The whole world is being made new. And to underscore that, Jesus has the Judeans who were present moved to be converted into believing in Jesus at this moment. The same people who were going to kill him suddenly now believe in him. Something is new. Something has changed. This is our foretaste of what is to come. And it is a reminder to us in our Lenten journey that no matter how bad this Lent has been going, there is still hope. You know, John kind of drives the point home, doesn't he? It's not that Lazarus is dead, it's Lazarus is very dead. So dead, he's been in the tomb for four days. And as one of the sisters reminds Jesus, the body stinks. Do you really want to open it? This is the gospel for all of us when we feel like we've reached the end of our rope and the end of hope. That we've entered what one mystic called the dark night of the soul, that place in each of our lives that we all are familiar with where we don't know what's going to happen next and we have no power over what will happen next. This is the moment when God in Christ comes to us, does what he did for Lazarus. He calls us forth from the tombs of death. And then he calls for us to be unbound. Unbind them, he says, and let them go. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. 
We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Thank uh-huh.